Welcome to Calvary Chapel Sebastian Podcast. We hope that you're blessed by this message. Looking at them with compassion through the eyes and through the lens of the new covenant. Jesus came so that we didn't have to do the old covenant. We didn't have to shed blood for our sin. They were still yoked under the legalism that the Jewish leaders yoked and burdened and handcuffed them to. And Jesus said, I came that you may have new life. And as he was teaching in the synagogues and the temples, you know that he was rejected. What he had to say was rejected. They accused him of being Satan. They accused him of operating in the authority of Satan. They didn't understand what he was saying and why he was telling people to think and do something different than the Old Testament. Remember, I tell you over and over and over, Jesus didn't come to abolish the Old Testament. He came to fulfill in the New Testament, a new life, a new wineskin, if you will, what we talked about two weeks ago. And so he's standing here looking at these people, and it says that he takes compassion because he knows that they're being misled by the Jewish leaders. They had false intentions. They were worried more about legalism. Today, that would look like what, what... What do you look like when you come into church? Do you have tattoos? Did you come in shorts? Did you wear the proper shoes? Do you have polyester? Did you take a bath? Did you tithe? Do you look the part when you walk into church? That's what he's, he's, that's what's happening here. These are the the 630 some rules that these people were yoked under. And they weren't happy. They didn't have joy. They didn't have the spirit. They didn't have the newness that Jesus was coming to bring. And he looked at his disciples and he said, these people are without a shepherd. And I want you to think about that shepherd because Jesus' Jesus' statement, what he's really saying is, apart from God, man has nothing. Apart from Jesus, man has nothing. Without God, there is no protection for man. Without God, we are like sheep having no shepherd. Without God, who then would guide our lives? Without God, how can we receive what is best that he has for us through his son, Jesus Christ? And this is what Jesus was saying. I've got a picture of a dog. We had pie day last Tuesday. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for bringing pie. I had one bite. I wanted to have 12. But we had pie day Tuesday, and a lot of you came, and it was wonderful. But how many of you are pet owners? Let's see. Raise your hand. All right. I like dogs and cats, so I'm not going to take sides, okay? I have dogs, and I have a cat. The reason why I have a cat is because the cat was a farm cat, and the cat... I had little boys, and and he wanted a cat. So we went to Ohio. Guess what? We brought a cat home. Now, if you have a cat, the cat will let you know. I'll let you know if I want affection. I will let you know if I'm going to give you affection. Otherwise, leave me alone, right? Some cats are like that. So then we got dogs because dogs are always happy to see you. So when the cat fails me, I got a dog to back him up, all right? How many of you have cats? Raise your hand. Let's see. All right, so we got Cappy. How many have dogs? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you have a tarantula? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I want to show you something. And as a dog owner or a pet owner, I want you to show, see this picture of this dog? This is a dog without an owner. This is a dog that has been abandoned. This is a dog that has no owner. It's been neglected. It hasn't been nurtured. It hasn't been cared for. It was found on the street. Someone at the pie uh, uh, at the pie day at the fellowship center showed me the dog that they rescued and they showed me a picture of that dog and it was looking really bad. But then they showed me a picture of a dog and it was transformed. It was completely new. And I want to show you the picture of what this dog looks like. There's the same dog with a designer cardigan sweater on, right? <laughs> and a haircut. Thank you, John. This is a dog that you see on the screen that's been loved, adopted, nurtured, cared for. This is a dog who has an owner that takes care of him and who loves him. A dog without an owner is like sheep without a shepherd. And this is what Jesus was trying to say when he saw the crowds and had a compassionate heart. He said they need a true shepherd, one that will lead them into the things of the new. This is what Jesus was saying about the people of Israel. And so each of us tonight need to know the importance and blessing of coming under the loving care of our shepherd. 
God has things in store for all of us that we have no clue. And oftentimes we get in the way of that. Oftentimes we think we want what we want because it makes sense to us. And when we get a no or when something happens, we don't understand why. What we try to do is take things in our own hands and God goes, would you just leave me take care of that? That's hard for me. It's probably hard for some of you. But can I encourage you that God knows what's best in all things. God knows what's best in every situation. Look at verse 37, you're there. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, this is a beautiful picture and a statement of the gospel and a need for the workers. I wanna put a picture up on the screen right now. By the way, today's October 2nd, and um, Caleb, that's a lousy picture. I apologize for that. (laughs) Dave's mercy, right? That's a picture of a pumpkin patch. Now, my wife and I grew up in Ohio, and we were teenagers, and I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to put a disclaimer out there that this is pre-Jesus. Does anybody have pre-Jesus days? Yeah. Yeah. So this is pre-Jesus, but I, I love pumpkins. And I, I love, I'm from up north. How many of you just, like you saw the post I put with that beautiful picture of the leaves. And I said, how many of you just want to get in a car, throw on your favorite playlist and, and just take off? Yeah, right. And go see the leaves. Every time fall and cool weather comes around, I think of up north and growing up as a kid. And when I was growing up as a kid, we had apple orchards, peach orchards, and we had farmers that had pumpkin patches. And one night, My wife and I, who was my girlfriend at the time, and that shows you, and I'm not talking we were 27. Relax, we were like 16 and 15. And we had a buddy, a neighbor that knew how to drive a car. Well, he thought he did. And he had an old car, and all of our neighbors and friends got together, and we got into that car. Actually, it was a truck. Yeah, it was his truck, and we we sat in the back of the truck. And we drove down. The girls were driving. And the girls drove all the way down to this farmer's field. It was late at night. And, they, and we quietly shut off the headlights. You know, come on, you know how to do that, right? You know how, right? I got some, yeah. Yeah, we got some pre-Jesus people. And we shut off the headlights, shut off the motor, and they dropped us off, and we walked down to the farmer's field. Now, the house is way in the back, like every Midwest Ohio scenario. It's way in the back, the field's in the front, and then there's the one highway that goes through the town. Well, the girls dropped us off, then turned on the car, turned the car around, turned on the headlights, and went and parked down at a church at all places, the corner church. So what we were going to do is, is we were going to go, and we were going to get ourselves some pumpkins. And so we went to the field, and there were pumpkins everywhere. And we were pulling, and we had our knives, and we cut these vines, and we're cutting all these pumpkins, and we're loading up our hands, and and. We said, we told the girls, this is before phones. I know you, nobody understands that. Some of you don't. And we said, in 10 minutes, come get us. In about 10 to 15 minutes, come get us. We're going to start walking down the road with these pumpkins. That was the plan. Little did we know that the farmer had dogs. The farmer had German shepherds. And those dogs picked up on our scent, and they came a-running. We were dropping pumpkins in the field. We were dropping pumpkins on the road, and we were running and running. And I don't know why, but the dogs didn't get to us. We were past the property, and we walked. We ran all the way down to the church. The girls were sitting there talking, not even paying attention to time. We were soaking wet, had no pumpkins, and they were like, what happened? And we said, "Uh, you were supposed to come pick us up. There were dogs, and we cracked up and had a good time. But I want to share something with you. That farmer probably would have never missed those pumpkins, and I'm going to tell you why. Because at the time, in our area, it was a very depressed area, and there weren't a lot of jobs, and there weren't a lot of people that were spending money. And so that farmer that year, he had a field full of pumpkins. They never got picked. They never got harvested. They never got to the market. They were never used. So what happened was he waited till they rotted some, and then you could tell that after they were rotted, he would get them, he would get like a a bucket tractor, and he would feed them to his pigs. And I thought, how sad is it 
all the work that it takes to plow that huge field, plant those seeds, weed, water, fertilize, insecticide. And that harvest was sitting there waiting in the economy and the workers. There was no way that those pumpkins would make it for harvest time. And I thought about that. And I thought about what Jesus was saying about the gospel. I want you to think about what Jesus did. Jesus went to that cross, died for you and I, paid the penalty for our sins, and the harvest, church, is the message. The free gift, the seed of the harvest that he put in us. There's a harvest in us. And Jesus was telling the disciples, he said, we have few workers. We have no one to harvest and no one to bring to enjoy the harvest and the joy and the salvation of the Lord. And Jesus was demonstrating before he even called them to do what we're going to read about next. He said, we need more workers. And so Jesus didn't just whine about it, cry about it, or, or speak about it. He said, we're going to do something different, guys. Look at chapter 10. I've asked you to turn originally to chapter 10. And we're going to look in verse one, and remember, as we see 1 through 31, I want you to, to look at this text that not only is it instructions for the disciples, but it's instructions tonight for you and I to apply to our lives and to ask the question, am I really fulfilling God's purpose for my life? Verse 1, we'll start. Jesus called his 12 disciples. Immediately after this, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So we see that Jesus has now got 12 guys. He says, not only do we need workers, but I'm going to show you how to harvest. I'm going to show you how to harvest this gospel. Not only did he pick 12, but this verse says that he equips, he empowers, he trains, he shows every bit of authority that he has. He is now imparting that on his disciples to go and do those things that the ministry called for him to do. Remember, I've always told you that the ministry of Jesus was healing and proclaiming the word. That's what he did. Everywhere he went, he healed and he proclaimed the word of God. And people got saved and people began to believe and follow him. But the same principle that Jesus is equipping these disciples is the same principle for you and I tonight, and it holds true for us today. Whom God calls, he will equip. He equips every single one of us. And what I find is that this equipping, because some of you, and I know what you're thinking, well, I don't have gifts, or I'm too old, or I'm too done, or I'm too whatever it is, fill in the blank, or I don't have the gift that you have, David, or I don't have that gift of singing, or I don't have that. I don't need you to think like that. I want you to just understand and agree with me tonight that every person has a gift. Every person is embedded with a gift. Why? Because he has a calling on your life. And God equips the calling. And I find that maybe the equipping may not be completely evident before the ministry begins, but what I found is that the, 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 the equipment and the gifts becomes evident along the way. When I stepped out in faith to serve the Lord, I was just like you. We have friends of mine, one friend of mine, Deb here. Deb has been at the Melbourne campus with me and my wife since back in the early 2000s. Susan is the same thing. We were at that campus. I'm sitting in the third and fourth row, just like all of you. And I just turned my life over to Jesus in 2000, and I'm hearing the word of God taught, and I'm, I'm listening to the word, and I'm listening to the sermons, and I'm actually applying it to my life. And when I first stepped out to serve in the ministry, I didn't think I was anybody. I didn't think I could do anything. But I have found that the moment I step out into something, into something that God wanted me to do, or I felt God wanted me to do, or through the encouragement of another person, that God began to show me that I, I was more than capable, and it was very rewarding for me. Those of you that are sitting here thinking you don't have a gift to give to the Lord or serve to the Lord, I want you to do me a favor. Step out, pray, step out in faith, and watch what the Lord does. He will make your gift evident and you will discover Jesus in a whole new way. This is what he was telling his disciples. You think the disciples believed him when he goes, guess what, guys, you're going to cast out demons. Can you see Peter? <laughs> I ain't casting out a demon. You love John. Have John do it. 
right? You see, John, I don't want to cast out demons. I'm a soft and gentle guy. You do it, Peter. You're always talking out of your head anyways, right? I could just imagine them arguing and the disbelief that they had gifts. And Jesus is saying, no, you'll go. You'll do this. You'll heal people. You'll do all of it. First point I want you to write down, it's up on the screen. Jesus will never ask us to do anything without first equipping us with everything we need to accomplish his purpose. Those of you that aren't writing it down, you're not, you're not getting it yet. That's okay. God will equip you. All he wants you to do is step out and you'll discover your gifts. Why do I know this? Look at the next verse on the screen, John 14, 12. Here's what he says. Here's his promise. This is what's gonna back this up. Very truly, Jesus says, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. And they will even do greater things than these because I am going to the Father, God, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Notice that this verse, in line with this teaching, is that this verse is absolutely pointing to the fact that when we're doing the Lord's work, that we can come to him and ask anything. That's, that's the empowerment. That's when he delivers for you. Now, the problem is, is that he doesn't always deliver that in our timing, does he? Some of us are serving the Lord faithfully and we're having difficulty, we're having trial, we're having warfare. Or maybe we're asking for things that we believe we need for ministry and God's not delivering it. Or maybe we're asking for things that if this would happen, I could give more of my time to the Lord and God hasn't delivered that. And I'm here to remind you that that's the promise that God gives us. The Bible says that we're to ask and keep on asking. And so it's important, church, to know that when you're serving the Lord and you're, and you're asking him to go before you and give you what you need to equip you to, so that in order that you can serve, that we also, in the midst of that, have to be patient with his timing. We have to be patient because probably Deb would say amen when I say I felt like in 2005 I was ready to go and conquer the world, start a church, and be you know the, the greatest preacher ever. And Deb goes, your devotions are lousy, Dave. You're not ready to start a church, Right? God's timing in everything. God's timing with the equipping in everything. And so we're gonna see next that Jesus does call his disciples out. Now, I want you to understand something. Who did Jesus pick to leave the gospel in the hands of all of mankind? Remember, he's going to the cross. He's demonstrating how to, how to walk in the calling. So now he's gonna call in the text. He's gonna call out the 12 disciples. But I want you to understand who he actually calls. But before we do that, the Apostle Paul writes about it. It's up on the screen, 1 Corinthians 1.26. This is more for us today, but this is also applicational to the people that Jesus called to do his work, to leave the gospel into all of mankind that he entrusted when he went to the cross. It says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. 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 Think of what you were. Think of what was in your life when God revealed himself to you, the sin you were in, the sin we were walking in, the sin I was walking in, and God called me. Think of who I was when God called me, when he sanctified me, when he saved me, and placed that purpose and that calling on my life. Remember I told you, you have to come in an agreement with me that when he saves you, he also has a plan and a purpose and a calling. Think of who you were when God called you. If you were the boss, and you had to leave the gospel of all mankind, would you pick you? <laughs> I wouldn't have picked me. I'd be like, you're insane. Get the union in here, vote. And Paul says, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. No, they were in a line, a lineage, a pedigree. My daddy's 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 a pastor. 
But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly things of the world and despised the things and the things that are not nullify to the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. I can tell you, church, that when we were at an all-time low and God presented himself and we got saved, and then he chose us and we stepped out in faith, can I tell you that probably the lower you were when God found you, is probably the more humbler you'll always be all throughout life serving him. Because every once in a while, we need to be reminded where he found us. And whenever I think I'm complaining too much or I get on my high horse or I get frustrated, God just kindly and gently nudges to me and he says, David, think of what you were and think where you are now. That's nothing but a miracle of God. Some of you can relate to me. And that's the work in the gospel. That's the harvest that every person needs to know about. That's why he calls you and I workers. Well, how did Jesus pick the disciples? What did he do? Maybe some of your bosses, maybe some of your supervisors. How do you pick your help? How do, if you're in HR, how do you employ somebody? How do you hire somebody? Do you count on your own wisdom? Do you look at just the skill set alone? Do you look at the pay that you can get away of not paying that person so that your boss will be happy with your budget? Look how Jesus did it, and I'll read it to you in Luke 6, 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray, and he spent all night praying to God. He spent time with the Lord. He asked God, God, who do you want me to tap on the shoulder to walk with for three years for the purpose of the harvest of the gospel and of the cross? It says he prayed all night, and then when morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them whom he also designated as disciples. What a great example, church, for any important decision in our lives that we have to make. I encourage you that if you have an important decision, leave your job, quit your job, start a business, join a business, partner with somebody, the Bible has answers for every single decision that you and I have to make. Not only do we have the word, but we're, to go, but, but we're to be Jesus like Jesus and we're gonna go with him in prayer and we're to ask and we're to wait for that answer of what we should do next. Look at verse two, chapter 10. We're gonna go over the names of the apostles. I'm gonna put in my um, commentation in here. Simon, who is called Peter, I just put foot in mouth, unwise, never got it. Immature, that's who God called in Peter his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, his brother John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, remember, doubted Jesus, rose from the grave. What? Walked with Jesus, got told how many times that I was gonna die, that I was gonna raise on the third day and I was gonna send to the Father and that I will come back one day and Thomas is like, nope. Nope, I don't believe it. The other disciples saw Jesus first during the resurrection, came into the room. Thomas wasn't there. They told him they all witnessed that these are guys that were his friends. All of you that I consider friends, we're close. I know you, you know me, and you tell me Jesus showed himself to us. No, I don't believe it. I don't believe what Jesus told me over and over and over when he was with me, and I don't believe you guys, my best friends, my partners in ministry, doubting Thomas. And Jesus knew that, and he tapped him on his shoulder anyways. Matthew, the tax collector, cheated people, crooked, wanted to get the most out of the situation, the job he had. And Jesus tapped him on the shoulder. James, James, son of Aphias. Pardon my pronunciation. What is that, Thaddeus? Thaddeus? Simon, the Zealot. And then, of course, we know Judas, who betrayed Jesus all along. I'll, I often think of that. It's like, Jesus, you had to know that Judas was gonna betray you. You're Jesus, you had to know. You had to know that, that you picked a man who would fail you, deceive you, and turn against you. But wasn't that the whole point? Wasn't that the one that Jesus needed <coughs> that would lead him to an arrest? Sometimes I wonder if Jesus just picked Judas because he knew that Ultimately, it wasn't about the money that he kept. It wasn't about the books that he kept balanced, but it really was for one thing, and that was that he would turn against Jesus. How'd you like to be picked to turn against Jesus? 
And what I really struggle with, to be honest, is how Judas wound up. Was Jesus, faith, was Judas faithful? He walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Did he fulfill prophecy? He certainly did. What about Moses? You can't enter the promised land. I think Moses is more faithful than I could ever be as a man. What he endured, never entered the promised land. But God is God and we're not. His ways are not our ways. But nevertheless, he called these 12 disciples. And what's important tonight, out of all of this, the men, the characters, how they were, what's important is that you see tonight ordinary men chosen by Jesus to spread the gospel. And so we ourselves can be encouraged that God can use us as he desires that he would make if we would only make ourselves available. The reason why Jesus chose those disciples as funky as they were and as imperfect as they were is so that that keeps us humble that we need to rely on Christ and not ourselves, those of us who are serving and following. It's never about us. We're never adequate. We're never good enough. We never, we're never, we never get good enough in our ministry. We need to stay humble. Another reason we realize that God can and will use changed people for his purpose. Do I have changed people in this room since you met Jesus? Amen. Does God still have a purpose for you and want to use you? Amen. Great example. That's the encouragement Jesus gives each and every one of us. And the last reason why I think Jesus chose funky men to carry on the harvest, to carry on the gospel, to put all the future mankind and the gospel into the hands of these funky guys is so that not one person in this room can give Jesus an excuse to sit on the sidelines as spectators any longer. And I hear that excuse all the time. Well, I'm not a good speaker. I'm an invert. I don't like people. Whatever. And I'm not making fun of you. I made excuses the first five years of my life too until the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and said, you need to obey me. No more excuses. My excuse was fear. <clears throat> My excuse was I didn't feel good enough. I wasn't forgiven enough for the past sins. But God redeemed us. That's why he chose those disciples. Point number two, I want you to write down, Jesus calls ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things for him. Or say it this way, Jesus calls ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things for him. Ordinary people, men and women, like you and I. And Jesus is about to give instructions to these disciples when doing ministry, and I'm gonna go very quickly, and um, Michelle's gonna help me out here. I've got 10 essential keys as we go through the rest of the verses quickly. 10 essential keys to successfully serving Jesus in the ministry or in the ministry calling or in the purpose for your life. You understand that. So what applies to these men as examples, we can also apply them to our lives. And so I'm gonna have it up on the screen. You can go ahead and put the first one up. I don't know how Dave did that. There you go, 10 essentials, there you go. And I'll give you time to write them down. First thing I wanna talk to you about is know your goal. Know your goal. In verse five, it says in your Bible that these 12, Jesus sent out with the, with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter into any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. See, the reason why Jesus said not to go among the Gentiles is because one, the apostle Paul, he wrote half the New Testament. That's who his ministry was for, was for the Gentiles. Also, when Jesus, you remember the story of the Good Samaritan. Do you remember that when the story when Jesus was supposed to go this way, the Holy Spirit led him this way, and he goes through the town of Samaria. And, and the disciples saw how easy it was for what the Holy Spirit was doing through Jesus. They're experiencing that, and they're thinking, well, we could go to the Samaritans. They, they're, they're so different than the others. They would be an easier target. They'd be easier to receive the gospel message. They were looking for the easy way out. Jesus said, no, I want you to go to the children of Israel, the Jews, God's chosen people. And if you're in the disciples' shoes, they're saying, they're so far from understanding you. Number one, I told you they're under the yoke of the leadership, which was brutal. The Romans were coming in here and threatening anybody 
that was, that was converted to that. They, they would die for it. And plus, they knew that the disciples of Jesus around the region were getting killed for spreading the gospel. And so if I'm a disciple, I'm be honest, it's like, Jesus, I'll take a, we'll, me and John will go take the easy job. We'll go over here to the Samaritans. Nobody likes them. They'll receive you. Jesus is like, no, I want you to go to God's chosen people. You're going to go to the ones that are difficult. And I notice what he says here. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. You know, that's prophecy. The lost sheep was prophecy in the Old Testament. I have it up on the screen, Isaiah. Go ahead and go to that slide, Michelle. Isaiah 53, 6, if you can put that up there. Jesus knew what he was doing. He was fulfilling prophecy with his disciples. He says, we are all like sheep, having gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. See, what the Israelites were doing is, is if they wandered under the heavy yoke of the priest, they were turning to foreign gods. And there were a lot of gods. There was a lot of things going on and a lot of beliefs and a lot of rules. And it was just like a Heinz 57 type of a worship back then. They were worshiping all kinds of false idols. The second is Jeremiah 50, verse 6. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. Jesus understood that some of the lost sheep in Israel were abused and neglected by their spiritual shepherds, scribes, priests, and Pharisees. And so Jesus says, you're going to go to there. Church, tonight, if you're going to follow the purpose for your life and the goal for your life, do you know what your goal is? Do you know what God's goal is for you in life? If you step out into a ministry, do you, do you have goals? Those of you that are leaders in the church or home groups, do you have a goal for your home group? Do you, do you have an end goal? Do you, do you, or are we just kind of going through? If you, if you pick a job or a career, or if you go, my, my son's getting ready to pick a college, you know, and I'm like, what's your goal? I don't know. I just want all the free stickers that they gave me last night to every university. I'm going to put them on my wall. I'm like, yeah, that's a $40,000 sticker. Thank you, right? But to my son, I go, what's your goal? What do you want to do? What, what college is going to give you that, that best education? And so if God has a goal or has a purpose for us, what is his goal? You need to know your goal that God has for you. It's time to reflect and ask him, God, what is your goal? The next thing, uh, if you can go back to the 10 essential key slide, Michelle. Second thing I want you to write down is rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, as you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, and so freely you shall give. I can imagine the disciples who would walk into situations and it's like, there's a demon-possessed man, what do we do? They had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. They had to be equipped. He then reiterates, freely you have received. What is he talking about? The Holy Spirit, the empowerment, all authority in heaven given to me, and now I give it to you. And you can do greater things. So he's reminding them, freely give, freely work in the gifts, freely work in the Holy Spirit. And I just kindly say to you, wherever you're serving, work in the Holy Spirit. You know, it amazes me. We talked about this in pastor staff today. Pastor Mark gave us an article to look at, and we broke out into groups, and we talked about it. And one of the questions that it asked was, are we too busy doing and checking off boxes and getting to our meetings and our appointments and our committees, or are we giving God room and time to interrupt us? And if he interrupts us, or if he has interrupted us, are we ready? Are we blindsided or are we filled with the Holy Spirit? One of the pastors stood up and said, just this weekend I had a parent come to me and say, my kid came to me and said that he's a homosexual and that he was born this way and that he's gonna denounce God. Try being that pastor. Man, I'm just getting this service out of the way. It's Saturday night. Let me just teach the youth. Let me just do what I do. Bam. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know that that, that pastor could not minister to those parents outside of the Holy Spirit being with them?
because you want to know what? I don't know if you want to put yourself in those shoes. You do not want to say the wrong thing to those parents. You don't want to say the flesh thing. You don't want to say the you thing. You don't want to say the Dave thing. You want to say the God thing. And we need the Holy Spirit in our lives in every area when we're serving to be filled and to be ready for whatever God brings us. Next thing I want you to write down is we need to have faith that God will supply. If we're going to fulfill the calling and the purpose in our lives, we need to have faith that God will supply. Verse 9, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or staff. For the worker, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person to stay at their house until you leave. Church, in order to walk in a purpose that God gives and, and, and aligns us to, we have to walk in faith. We don't always have everything that we need, but we need to trust him that he will provide everything that we need, not only in a church ministry, but in your own ministry. Single moms, your goal is to raise those kids. The first thing that comes to your mind is, how many jobs am I going to have to get to raise my children? God will provide for your calling. God will provide for your season. We don't know how, but we need to have faith that God will provide. Next thing, focus. Be intentional. Don't waste time. Look at verse 13. And if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. And if, every, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words... And we all know this verse because I hear you all quote it. Leave that home or town and do what? Shake the dust off your feet. We love saying that verse. Well, bless God, shake the dust off your feet and move forward to the next person, right? He tells us to do that. I think of another verse in the Bible that says, don't throw your pearls to the swine. What does that mean? What does that mean when we're fulfilling the purpose? Well, we have to be wise. We have to focus on the ministry we have to be intentional with who we spend time with. And we cannot waste time, for we do not know what tomorrow brings. Apply that to where you're at today. There's teachable and then there's unteachable. And I'll be honest, God has put a person in my life, and I probably should have shaken the dust off my feet a long time ago. But, but I felt like God said, no, don't give up, don't give hope, and so I don't. I do cut back my time. I do not give myself as much availability, but it doesn't mean that I give up on that person. It doesn't mean that I stop loving them. It just means that I need to focus and be wise and, and, and trust God that God, I'm not the Savior. Church, you're not the Savior. You're a conduit. You're a vessel. God is going to do that. God may want to use you to help in their situation and to draw them nearer to God. But we need to be focused, be intentional, and not be time wasters. Next one, be wise, be balanced, and be prepared. Be wise, be balanced, and be prepared. Verse 16. I am sending you out like sheep among the wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes. Some of your translations say wise as serpents and innocent as doves. You ever hear that statement? Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. What, is, what does that mean? Well, Jesus is really saying to the disciples, be balanced in your ministry, okay? There are times in ministry or in, in work or if you're a leader or whatever you're doing, whatever you're called to, there are times where it is going to be difficult and you feel like that person, that thing, that whatever it is, is a wolf in, in front of you. It's coming against you. It's coming against your ministry. It's coming against your goals. It's coming against something, and you look at them as an obstacle or a pain or a thorn in our flesh, we like to say. And so we have to be wise. You know, the reason why he says be wise as a serpent is because if there's a serpent and a wolf, I'm sure the serpent could be faster than the wolf to strike it, right? I'm sure the serpent could bite the wolf and, and it would die of poisoning, right? But it doesn't always mean that. If you watch the nature of a snake, a snake will only strike if it's the last thing that it has to do. 
And Jesus is saying, you're going to, remember, we're talking about the gospel here. We're talking about the ministry, the purpose of fulfilling the harvest. Jesus is saying, be careful with who you talk and how you talk to. Some unsaved people or somebody in your life, they'll put them right smack dab in front of you. You can't be that serpent. You can't strike at them. You gotta be careful how you give the gospel. You gotta be careful how you approach that person in ministry. You gotta, you gotta understand where they're at. They may not be a wolf. They may just need love. That's where wise or harmless as a dove comes in. The part of the balance of the calling that you have in your lives to lead or do what you do for the Lord or the purpose, or even in a gospel of just a friend having coffee, sharing the gospel to an unbeliever is, is that you need to be as harmless as a dove. What is a dove? Dove is gentle. Every time you see the dove in the Bible, it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's a representation that we need to be activated in the Holy Spirit. We need to censor our words. We need to listen. We need to only say what, what, the, what the Lord's leading us to say in every situation. Anybody here got that perfect? I don't. No. But what Jesus is saying here to the disciples is say, hey, be balanced. Be balanced. Sometimes you're going to need to be a serpent. Many times you're going to need to be the dove in what I bring in front of you. And then next... Be filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 19. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the what? The Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Do you know what the greatest thing about that is, be filled with the Holy Spirit is? How many of you, by a show of hands, know that the Holy Spirit took over your conversation and you are so thankful for that? Raise your hand if you've been there. Look around you, church. And you know why you know you're thankful for that? Because it just it's smooth. And chances are when the Holy Spirit takes over in that particular situation and you, need, and you just heed to the Spirit, when that happens, most of the time you don't remember what you even said. Amen? That's when you know. And the outcome will always be much better than if you're trying to speak in your own flesh. Amen? Next, stand firm, persevere. Look at verse 21. Brother, brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And when you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. There are times in our lives where we've heard from God, we've fulfilled what God wants us to do, and we're going to have to stand firm in our, in our position. The danger of not being willing to stand firm is that we cave, we give in. And oftentimes, if I've given in or I've grown weary, I've, I've found that I've often given in too soon. And then I wonder, what would the outcome been if I would have stood firm on what I believed in? If I would have stood firm on that situation, how about you? Are there times in your lives where you, you, you started out standing firm, you knew it was biblical, you knew it was what God wanted you to do, but then you just got worn down by the situation, the process, the people or the attacks, right? And so if we're gonna fulfill God's purpose and calling, there are times where we're gonna have to persevere. We're gonna have to push through things in our lives. We're gonna have to stand firm and make no apologies. And so if you're a man pleaser, that's gonna be hard for you. And sometimes that's hard for me, but we need, what does the word say? In Galatians 1.10, I believe it is, don't be a pleaser of man, but be a pleaser of God. For if we're a pleaser of God, we cannot be a pleaser of man. And I had to, knew, I, had to I found that verse and I thought, that's it. That's what God had to show me. Sometimes I'm gonna please God and it won't please man. And when you're there, you'll be thankful that you have the ability and the empowerment to stand firm. Next, remain humble. Look at verse 24. The student is not above the teacher, nor the servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If we're going to fulfill the calling of God in our lives and the purpose that he has for us, we're going to have to remain humble. 
The only way to please God is to remain humble. And it's something that we probably all have to work at, including me, because the truth is our pride rises. Sometimes we can even allocate that. We can't misunderstand or confuse passion with pride. There's a difference. Sometimes you're passionate, but you can remain humble. And then sometimes we think we're being passionate, but really if, if God were to have that conversation with us, it's like, no, you're just prideful about it. And so remember, always remain humble. Number nine, be fearless. Look at verse 26. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. And what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops. And do not, here it is again, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Who's he talking about there? Who can destroy the soul and the body? Satan. He said, if you're gonna be fearful, fear one thing, that Satan's after our souls. His goal is to distract us and to turn away from God. We must be fearless at times, even in the midst of what we do. And then lastly, number 10, we need to learn to rest in God's protection. Rest in God's protection. 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And every, and even the very hairs of your head are numbered. For some of us, well, I won't say that. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Last point I want you to write down for the night, and we'll close in prayer. Point number three, we are valued in the eyes of Jesus, and we are cared for by our Father. Some of you came tonight just to hear that. You are greatly valued to the Lord. Some of you need to place yourself under the loving care of your Father in this time. God is good. He's a good Father. He will protect you. Remember the picture of the dog? The one that was abandoned out on the street, neglected and not cared for. If you're in that place, I implore you to place yourself under the care of your Father, Jesus Christ. Some of you know you need to do that. You know what I love about our Lord? There's a wonderful chapter in Luke chapter 15. It's called the prodigal son. I taught on it in Melbourne this summer. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter even how you got there. But if you find yourself tonight and you don't know the Lord and you've tried to fix things in your life or go about your business, but you've truly not put yourself, your situation in the hands of the Lord. I just implore you tonight to do that. Let's bow our heads as we close in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much tonight. Thank you that you forgive us of stealing pumpkins from a farmer. <laughs> we thank you for your grace for all those things. We thank you that you chose us where we were that your son made himself available for each and every one of us. We thank you that you do have a purpose for us. It's specific, it's detailed, and it's for every one of us. Thank you that you have a plan. Father, thank you for those here that are listening to my voice, whether it's on podcast or the website or even here tonight. God, we thank you for those that have stepped out, that they heard from you, they're serving you, that even in the midst of serving you, they've, they've been worn down, 
they've been attacked. Things aren't going their way, but I see their faithfulness and their perseverance. God, you see it too. We're so thankful. God, would you bless those tonight that someone in that room is just sitting here saying, that's me, Lord. Lord, just pour your blessing upon them. Encourage them right where they are. For those that, well, Lord, maybe they really never even stopped and thought about it, that, God, do you even have a purpose for my life? Those that are in this room that maybe they've never even stopped to say, God, do you have a plan for me? And if so, would you reveal that plan? I pray that maybe tonight they're saying that to you right now, that they come to you tonight and they say, Lord, I want your plan, I want your purpose, and I wanna begin to walk in it. Lord, for each and every person that would say that prayer to you tonight, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal them, yourself to them. God, that they don't have to do one thing, that they don't have to go, they don't have to do, but they can just, like you told the disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit, May they wait for you to speak to them. And then may they wait for the zeal and the joy and the empowerment that you will fill and reveal to them in order to step out and to come under your care and to take the harvest and to be your worker. I pray that they would be blessed. I pray that for those that said, that's me tonight, Lord, that they would have a testimony and that they would write this down in their Bible, this date, this time, this very moment that God showed them, well, your purpose for them. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for all the guests that are here. We love you tonight, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your teaching, Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Sebastian podcast channel. If this message impacted your life, we encourage you to share it with a friend. We're located at 1251 Sebastian Boulevard, just northeast of Intersection 90th Avenue and State Road 512 in Sebastian, Florida. Our service times are Saturday evening at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 1045 a.m., and Wednesdays at 630 p.m.